This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hi, everyone. You're tuned into the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I'm Chris Knutson, your host for this outstanding episode on the power of preeminence. So if you've never thought about how being preeminent in your engineering career or engineering business are going to help you achieve success, then I suspect you will after listening to today's guest, Paul Rulkins, who's going to describe what he means about the power of preeminence and cultivating a preeminent mindset. I really enjoyed this interview because we had the opportunity to talk about strategy, continuous improvement, and the power of knowledge that comes from reading books, which is something that Anthony and I love doing, and we share that with you all the time. And actually, off of this episode in the show notes, you're going to see a long list of uh, recommended reads, uh, not only for myself, but from Paul, and not only his own book, Power of Preeminence, which will be linked up, but within that book, he's got like 50 other books he recommends, so it's a pretty awesome, pretty extensive list. The other thing that was great about this episode is that uh, Paul does a great job explaining why any of us would want to be preeminent. And the hint is that it accelerates your career or your business. And Paul also shares with us the master key for unlocking success, which is one object that we all want on our keychain. And uh, this episode, I think, is going to also resonate uh, with not only individual engineers, with all of you that are out there as individuals working within organizations or companies, but uh, also if you are a engineering company owner or a senior partner, because Paul spends a good portion of his time working with businesses and uh, he shares some really great concepts specifically about what makes a business preeminent. And uh, kind of the hint on that is marketing, innovation, and strategy. And he shares a lot of really good uh, good insight and information on that. Um, there's going to be a ton of supporting books, as I already mentioned. Also got linked up in the show notes, two of Paul's TEDx talks. Those are in the show notes for the episode. And you can find all of that information at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash podcast. But before we get into the main segment of today's show, I want to let you know that Anthony and I are fully engaged in planning for next May's Engineering Career Summit to be held in New Orleans the 12th through the 14th of May. And you can, for a limited time, put your hands on one of the 20 early access tickets. And they're going fast. So these things are going to sell out quickly, and they're even less expensive than the early bird tickets that we're going to put on sale in early January. But you're still going to get everything, including the Thursday Mastermind Group session with Anthony myself, and other motivated engineers. So get out there, grab your tickets before the price goes up, and lock in your place at this event over at engineeringevent.com. It's engineeringevent, all one word, .com forward slash registration. So we've already got two of our keynoters confirmed. Will Schneier, who was uh, PE, uh, who was the CEO of Big Red Dog. He was our guest on episode 13 of the Civil Engineering Podcast. We can catch that one. Great episode. Go check that one out. And uh, he's going to be kicking things off on the Friday, as well as leadership coach, expert, and a close friend of mine, Croft Edwards, who you're going to have the chance to meet in an upcoming episode of this podcast. And I want to give a shout out as well to today's sponsor, PPI, who makes this show possible for all of you. If you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI. They're the leader in engineering exam preparation. And for a special 15% discount, you can use promo code COACH at ppitopass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. 
So let's get it into the right mindset for today's main segment with a quote from our guest, and that is, always move to the place where people love what you do. And now, the one, the only, Paul Rulkins. Welcome back, listeners, to the main segment of today's show. I'm excited to have with me Paul Rulkins. Paul is an expert in high performance, the art and science of achieving business success in the easiest, fastest, and most elegant way possible. He's an award-winning professional speaker, author, and a trusted advisor who's helped hundreds of business owners, professionals, and executives get everything they can out of everything they have. His ideas to accelerate business and careers are often described as thought-provoking and counterintuitive, yet highly effective. Paul is an MS in chemical engineering and is a former business manager with 20 years of international experience working in operations, strategy, and organizational development. And until recently, he had been responsible for building a high-performance organization at DSM, a global material and life sciences company. Paul's work is based on deep knowledge and extensive experience in the practical business application of behavioral psychology, neuroscience, and especially common sense. And as popular TED Talks are used frequently in professional training sessions all over the world, we're going to have links to these in the show notes for today's episode, so you can go there and check them out, get to know Paul a bit more. But today's episode, we're going to have a great conversation with him. Paul, I'm really excited to have you on today's show. Welcome. Chris, uh, thank you so much. Great to be here as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Paul and I connected here just about a month ago, and uh, we've had some really great conversations since then. I had an opportunity, Paul, thank you very much for sending me your book, The Power of Preeminence. (laughs) Just a a really great read. And you had at the back of it something that I was really excited to see, a listing of 50 more books. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's for for Asians and readers, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that uh, my, my partner Anthony and I read a lot. We share this information with uh, with folks through our uh, the different writings that we do, the uh, these podcasts that we do for both uh, here, the Engineering Career Coach, and then our uh, Civil Engineering Podcast, because it, it, you know the ideation that comes out of reading the books is just great. And we'll get into that a little bit later here in the interview. So thanks for sending me this book. That was a great one. And it set the foundation for the discussion that you and I are going to have, because the title of the book, again, is The Power of Preeminence. And the reason that we wanted to have the discussion today was to really pick that apart and have a better understanding of what preeminence means and what preeminence means to each of us with regards to our engineering careers. So, Paul, maybe you can just real briefly kind of lay out for us, why would an engineer working at, let's say, IBM or Parsons or some other large company want to achieve preeminence? Chris, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. And what the, the first question is, of course, what is preeminence? And uh, for me, preeminence means that you, uh, that you stand, stand apart like a tall giraffe surrounded by, by tiny field mice. So you really stand apart uh, from others. Now, if you are an engineer working, working in big corporations, and once you have achieved preeminence, what happens is a couple of things. First of all, Ideal clients, and that can be internal ones or external ones, they come to you whenever they want to have information about the field you are preeminent at. And the second thing is once they come to you, you can work with them and you do great work because you are the expert in the field. And once you do great work, other people will hear from it and they will come to you um, uh, with, uh, with other customers as well. So it is a, a way to accelerate your career and uh, in the end make a lot of progress uh, when it comes to, uh, to corporate careers, but also um, uh, ownership careers. Certainly. And I, I think one of the questions that would come 
from an engineer who who is working in a larger company because Anthony and I get these a lot from engineers who are reaching out to us or from members within our community. You know, they, they're looking for the step-by-step. And the reason I pull that out, as engineers, we're, we're process-oriented. When we see someone who has achieved preeminence, who's standing above the crowd, one of the first things that might come to mind is, well, there was a process that they went through. There were things that they did within their career that helped them to develop this preeminence. Can you share with us some of your thoughts about what those steps to success might be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm working with high-performance people, and you see that they have a couple of things in common, and also the process of getting there. It's usually very predictable. And I'll give you a couple of clues uh, what, uh, what I have seen. First of all, those are people who are very curious, and uh, they decide, I want to become preeminent, I want to have the career. And they ask themselves one question, and the question is, which one skill, uh, if I would have it right here, right now, would have the most positive impact on my career? And that's that's the first key question. So which one skill, if I had it right here, right now, would have the, the biggest positive impact on my career? And once they have identified the skill, uh, then they do something else. And that's step number two. And step number two is is a concept I called steal, run, and use. Steal, run, and use. Uh, which is they look at the environment, they look at the people who already possess that skill, and then they start to pick their brains, have a conversation with them. What is it that you do differently? So there's always a method to the madness. All business skills are learnable. So they understand the method to the madness. And once they got the method to the madness, uh, then they start to take action to build that skill as well. And uh, the, the simple rule they use is we call this the 1% rule. If you improve by 1% every single day, you will have doubled your results after 70 days. That's the basic three steps which I see that highly skilled individuals, preeminent individuals do. Uh, first of all, they, they ask themselves, which skill do I need? The second thing is they steal, run and use. So they copy. And the third thing is they move into action, uh, which is uh, the 1% rule. So I like the, the concept of the steal, run, and use. There's a, a book that I will uh, make sure it gets linked up in our show notes. It's called How to Steal Like an Artist. And um, you know, really the concept is based off of, I want to say it was Einstein, one of his quotes on, on uh, you know, there's no new ideas in the world. They're just reused and regenerated and redeveloped. So I think that that's, that's a very interesting and key point to, to present that it's okay to copy what other people are doing and then adapt it to yourself and use that to essentially help propel yourself towards preeminence. The other key point, Paul, and this is one that I I think helps lead us into the concept that you share in your book about Razor's Edge, is this this idea of daily improvement, which is kind of a Kansan quality, total quality type of a concept where you you make these incremental improvements incremental developments in our skills. That's really what we're looking for. You're not really looking for monumental transformational shifts. It's more of an evolutionary move from wherever you might be to where you need to be or you want to be. So how does that fit with uh, with the concept that you present in the book of the razor's edge? Your view on those are small steps is absolutely true. It's not a giant leap forward. Those are small steps consistently applied. And uh, the concept of the razor's edge is something that is very helpful in um, perspective. And to understand the, the razor's edge, what it actually means is you do not have to become twice as good in order to double your results. What you need to do is to become a little bit better in the few things that really matter. And that's the basis of the razor's edge. 
and let me give you some background there also to put it in perspective. The razor's edge was first coined somewhere in the 50s and there were a group of scientists, uh, they were studying racehorses. And what they found, it was interesting, what they found is that the number one racehorse uh, over a longer period of time was earning 10 times more than number two. But what they also found was that the number one racehorse was less than 3% faster than number two. And this is what they call the razor's edge. You do not have to be twice as good in order to double your results. You only need to be a little bit better in a few things that matter. And uh, the funny thing is that that razor's edge is not limited to racehorses. You see it everywhere. I, I give an example from the world of uh, sports, in this case a, a soccer example. Uh, if you look at uh, David Beckham, for instance, David Beckham, uh, soccer player, very famous one, he earns on average 100 times more than the average professional soccer player. But the funny thing is that David Beckham doesn't score 100 times more goals. He doesn't do that. If you look at David Beckham, actually he has retired, but still earns 100 times more. And the reason that he earns so much is he's got the razor's edge. He's a little bit better in a few things that really matter. So it is a concept that we can apply as, uh, as engineers as well to be very clear about what the razor's edge should be for us to become preeminent and then focused on making it happen with 1% every day. That's an interesting concept. Of course, the, the challenge that a lot of people are going to run up against is you know, for each of them and for each of us, we each have those few things that where we need to be just a little bit better. In all the people that you've worked with, the high performers you've worked with, have you found that there's a, a process that they use to go through to determine what those few key elements are? Or are they universal? That if each of us is just a little bit better in these certain areas, we all have then the opportunity where we are to become preeminent. There are two components there. One is the universal component and the other is the more specific component. And let, let me talk about the universal component, and, and I would almost say this is a kind of master key to, uh, to success, and you see that everywhere. And the master, keys, the master key starts with clarity about what does success look like for every individual. Eh? So, so picture yourself five years from now, what does wild success look like? And once you have that vision, you see yourself doing different things. Uh, and, that is, uh, and that's a very important part if you talk about preeminence. Uh, doing different things. But all these things are building on strength. And I guess that is the, the master key which I see highly successful people, highly successful companies. They focus on their strength. And the reason is that uh, it's for them much easier to become 10 times stronger in a strength than uh, only try to become a little bit better in a weakness. And they know that if they would not focus on their strength or trying to compensate their weaknesses, the only thing they would end up is a large set of strong weaknesses. And that is Definitely not the way to, uh, to get to high performance. So that's one universal component. The universal component is built on your strength and, uh, and picture yourself while success, what it would look like. You see yourself doing different things. So that's a universal one. Then the more specific one is uh, based on the context, the context you operate in. So uh, for every individual, if you want to be preeminent, uh, well, you might require a different set of skills. Uh, you need to become a little bit better at. Now, how do you get that? And actually, there are three keys of doing that. First of all, clarity, being very clear of what wild success looks like. And then the second thing is, is focus. Hey, if I have the one or two things that I've identified, how do I get there in the fastest way possible? And then relentless execution, so building the success habits uh, to, make, uh, to make that happen. So those are the two elements if we talk about high performance and, uh, and preeminence, uh, Chris. Okay, that's all very good. 
and I really enjoy the way that you've laid it out there in the, the two and the three. So we'll make sure that we spell those out specifically in the show notes, because that at the end, I suspect is what a lot of people are, are interested in when they when they hear about things like a master key to success and the, and the steps that they need to take to get that direction. I've read it a lot, and I also use it in the, uh, the coaching that I do, which is this need to be able to visualize very clearly what future success looks like. And you're a very large proponent for that as well. And the importance behind doing that, because just as, as you mentioned, I like the way that you say that, as soon as you begin visualizing what that future success looks like, it over time will begin to change your habits. It'll begin to change the way that you carry yourself. It'll begin to change the way that you think. And once you begin to change the way that you think, you then change the way that you feel, and ultimately it will actually change your beliefs. So can you maybe unpack a little bit more for us about some of the tangible benefits that come from the process of visualization, specifically in goal achievement, and then maybe how might an engineer apply that to their career? So let's say education or achieving certifications, or really ultimately what a lot of engineers are interested in, increased advancement and ultimately increases in pay. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at uh, how to apply this, and uh, let me first talk a little bit about Brain Science 101, because that puts it in perspective why it works. The visualization part uh, is tied to what we call the subconscious part of the brain, and the subconscious part of the brain is is actually the supercomputer in uh, in your brain. It's it's very fast. It's faster than everything we can make. It has enormous power. Now, the, the trick to access the, the subconscious part of the brain is visualization, because what happens with visualization is your subconscious part of the brain is unable to distinguish between a picture of wild success which you have in your head and your actual reality. So it sees two pictures, and there's a... Um, difference between the two pictures so it starts working on finding people ideas and circumstances which can help you to uh, make those two pictures align now what this practically means is if you visualize wild success what happens is all of a sudden you start to see people ideas and circumstances in your environment which can help you to achieve your goals and that's the reason is that after visualization all of a sudden you see people doing different things because all of a sudden they are confronted with people, ideas, and circumstances, which will help help them to do uh, different things. Now, let me give you an example. I was working with a group of scientists um, a couple of months ago, and a brilliant scientist, and they were, they were struggling with one thing. They said, well, we have uh, brilliant ideas uh, for our company, but no one seems to listen. So their natural instinct was to come up with more brilliant ideas, but still no one seems to listen. So we visualized what does success look like and what they saw in that visualization is that they didn't have only brilliant ideas, that, but those brilliant ideas were accepted and heard by leadership, company leadership. And then they realized, oops, that what we need to do, what we need to build is the skills for persuasion, the skills to convince, the skills to market our ideas. And once they start doing that, all of a sudden they saw people, ideas and circumstances which could help them to market their ideas. They teamed up with some marketing uh, experts in the company, uh, Steel, Run and Use. And uh, six months from now, uh, all of a sudden, they have a place at the table whenever there are leadership discussions about innovation and future. So this is the way that engineers, scientists can apply visualization to advance their careers. That's brilliant. I appreciate also using the uh, the concrete example there to help lay that out for everyone. So there, there are definitely tangible benefits that can come from this process of visualization. 
you're working with high performing scientists and engineers in a lot of the work that you do. This idea of visualizing what future success looks like is something that I use in some of the uh, leadership work that I do with youth through the uh, Boy Scouts of America. They've got a great leadership program. And this is one of the one of the main tenets that comes out of that entire week worth of training that these young men go through is on visualization of what future success looks like. So this is something that's definitely, as you mentioned, Paul, is one of the master keys to success. Christian, absolutely. And, and I want to want to stress, uh, this is not Nana Nunu stuff. Eh? This is real brain science, brain science 101. So there is a method to the madness eh, in, the, in the visualization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you go into a little bit of the brain science in your book. For anyone who's out there that wants to dive more into that, are there any other books that they can dig into that may help them understand a little bit more about how the brain works, specifically in this interaction, the connection between the conscious and the subconscious? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's one uh, great book. It's called Brain Rules. John Medina has written that one. And it gives a uh, great overview of how the brain works, what we know of the brain. Now, keep in mind the following. The, the brain science is, is accelerating. So what we know of the brain right now might be old news five years from now. So keep current. But what we have found is things that work. And that's a pragmatic application. So Brain Rules, John Medina, very good book if you want to know about the brain. Thank you for sharing that. All right, so for the engineer owners that are that are listening to this, these are the ones who are the, the the business owners that have a firm that works for them. They're the ones that are uh, that are running that, or they may even be just entrepreneurs or solopreneurs on their own, doing their own thing. What have you found to be the difference between the high performing companies, that is the those with plenty of well paying clients and this pipeline for future work, and those who are struggling? Have you found any specific items that you've identified as being the difference between high performance and low performance? If you look at the, the very successful businesses, and I think there's one mindset that comes to mind when I think about it, and that thinking is no one has ever asked for the cheapest brain surgeon. Right? So no one has ever asked for the, the cheapest brain surgeon. And what the successful companies do, they position themselves in a niche as dominant, as preeminent. So they are the tall giraffe surrounded by field mice. They attract their ideal customers. Ideal customers come to them. Uh, they do great work for the customers, and uh, that attracts even more ideal customers. Now... How do they do that? First of all, they, they are very good at what they do, but it's not necessary to be the absolute best in what they do, but they are very good at what they do. The second thing they realize is that they, at a certain point in time, are no longer in the business of the thing, but they are in the business of the marketing of the thing. So they are no longer in the business of the thing, but business in the marketing of the thing. Because through marketing, you attract the right customers and then you can do the nice work. i give you an example. Because this, this also tells you why it is that some companies can ask premium prices for things that look like mundane services or products. Example is uh, McKinsey, the, uh, the management consultant. If you look at the business model of McKinsey, they are very good at what they do. But what they are especially good at is marketing themselves as the business consultant to go to whenever you want to do strategy. Whenever a CEO is, uh, is struggling... The first instinct is to go to the preeminent business to help them, which is McKinsey. And McKinsey comes in, price is no longer the issue. So that's the reason why they are so successful. They are not so much in the business of strategy consulting, but in the business of marketing themselves. And that's one of the reasons that they are very successful. And this is how engineering companies can use the power of preeminence as well. Stand apart like a tall giraffe surrounded by field mice. That's outstanding. 
And for any of the firm owners that are out there, engineering owners that are out there that are interested, I'll make a reference over to a episode that we've recorded, a previous episode recorded over on the, the Civil Engineering Podcast, if you haven't caught that one already, episode number 14, where I interviewed Jim Rogers, who has written this book, Win More Work, which goes into a little more detail on the marketing side, but really dives into how to take your voice of preeminence and, and roll it into the proposals that you use when you are going after new work or work with existing clients. So that's really good material, Paul. And there's a couple other books. I think we're almost getting on a book roll here <laughs> in the discussion today. But two other books that came to mind that had a pretty good impact on my own mind uh, when it comes into being able to help share one's preeminence with potential clients and existing clients. And that was Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. I don't know if you've come across that one or not. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Influence, which I think is a it's almost a foundational book when it comes into the whole marketing process, but that's by, uh, by Caldini. We'll link both of those up. I think those are definitely two books. If you're in this realm of trying to become a high performance company, or you already are, and you want to continue to be in that place, in that space, having this really strong understanding of the marketing element is is vital. So I appreciate you bringing that one up. So and it kind of goes, I guess, maybe hand in hand with that previous question and sort of the discussion that we had there for the solopreneur. You dive in the book to something that I've, I've come across before, and I think it's just a brilliant way of approaching mindset. And that is this concept of working on your business versus in your business. And this is really something that's going to you know, kind of affect solopreneurs or engineering firm owners, people who have actual businesses that they're responsible for guiding. Can you unpack for us a little bit about this concept of working on your business versus in your business? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. It's a, a critical distinction that very successful high-performance individuals make. And to understand the distinction, let me, uh, let me use a metaphor. And the metaphor is uh, the metaphor of a little a hamster, the little animal. So imagine you are a, a little hamster and uh, you're living in a cage and one day you wake up, you decide your main purpose in life is to run your little hamster wheel as fast as possible. So make it turn as fast as possible. So you go on an exercise regime, uh, you eat well every day, you, you practice uh, for six hours in the hamster wheel and after nine months you are the fastest hamster in the world. No one is faster than you. And this part is working in your business. In other words, you become better and better and better at what you are already doing. Now, working on your business is a somewhat different approach. Uh, you are the same hamster. You wake up, uh, you have the same goal, which is to turn that hamster wheel as fast as possible. But instead of uh, starting to run, you go to a little uh, hamster computer, go to www.amazon.com, you order a little uh, motor, electrical motor, and when it arrives, you connect it to the hamster wheel, switch it on, and... <laughs> Your hamster wheel goes 10 times faster than you can do it yourself. And this is working on your business. In other words, you become strategic. And uh, by doing strategic things, all of a sudden you have much more impact in, in what you're doing. Now, this shift in thinking, working in versus working on, is essential for high-performance individuals. And if you are a solo entrepreneur, but also if you are an engineer working in a, a big corporation, the key question is, of course, what are activities which are typically fall under the umbrella of working on your business, actually there are only three activities here. First is marketing, second one is innovation, and third one is strategy. Uh, so everything that's connected to marketing, everything that is connected to strategy, everything that is connected to innovation is uh, working on your business. Everything else is working in your business. 
Everything else is working in your business. And what successful people organizations do, they shift their focus from working in to working on their business. And once they go to working on their business, they have maximum leverage of what they do. And you see them moving towards, uh, I would almost say, unstoppable goal achievers. So that's the difference between working on and working in, from the operational part to the strategic part. And the strategic part is focused on marketing, innovation, and strategy. So, Paul, thank you for sharing that. I like the way that you've broken that down into the three components of marketing, innovation, and strategy. And I just want to throw out there that we're going to be unveiling a course for engineers to be able to step through in developing their own personal strategy. And uh, a little bit later in 2016, we'll be unveiling one for engineering firms and solopreneurs to use in developing a strategy. Because I agree with you. I think that the strategy component is absolutely enormous when it comes to making that shift, both mental and in the day-to-day activities that you do from working on the business or on the work that you're doing to versus working in it. And uh, I've heard of the hamster wheel before, but I love the way that you present that uh, analogy because it helps to really pin it into the brain on exactly what you're what we're talking about here when we start talking about on versus in. I want to shift a little bit, not completely off topic here, but shift the discussion a little bit now to talking about value creation. Because high-performance individuals are ones that I perceive to be individuals who are out there that are providing value to others in the world. I've often seen it and I've often heard it said that the more value you can bring to the world, the more value you can bring to people, the more value you're going to get in return as well. And most people usually link that to financial rewards. I've coached a lot of engineers who question how they uncover or reveal what that value is. You know, What value are they truly bringing to others? Then the next question is always, well, how do I increase that? And I think it gets a little bit to the David Beckham story that you shared. But maybe you can talk a little bit more about your thoughts on what is value And how does a person go about increasing their value creation to provide that return of value back to them? Value is very important because the thinking is the more value you give, the more value in the end you you get. And there are a couple of keys when we talk about value which will help you here. The first key which you need to realize is there's a difference between what people want and what people need. The difference between want and need. I'll give an example. Say you, you have a headache and you go to a pharmacy and you order an aspirin. Uh, they give you what you want. And uh, I guess you go for the cheapest uh, pharmacy with the cheapest uh, aspirin and you buy and, and hopefully the, the headache will disappear. So uh, the pharmacy gives you what, you what you want. And that is a commodity in the end because you can buy aspirin everywhere. If you go to a brain surgeon, on the other hand, she will tell you exactly what you need. Uh, you might need uh, to have surgery or practices or whatever it is. And that's the high-value conversation. That's the high-value conversation. So that's the conversation that you have with the experts the, based on a diagnosis can tell uh, exactly these are the steps that you, uh, that you need to have. Once you are preeminent in, uh, in your niche, people come to you not to have, to have the conversation about what you want, but what you need. And that automatically adds value. So that's one component, the shift of want versus need. The second component... And it's an interesting story. Uh, it's, it's a story about uh, Joshua Bell. If you Google that on YouTube, Joshua Bell is a violin player and he's one of the best uh, violin players in the world. And there's an interesting uh, YouTube video. Joshua Bell is playing in the subway of Washington, D.C., dressed like a common street artist. And it was an experiment. 
what happens. Now, he played for 45 minutes, brilliant performance. More than 1,000 people have seen Joshua Bell. They didn't recognize him. So in the end, he earned about 20 or $30, more money. Now, if you think about it, and that's very important, if you think about it, it's the, the, the best violin player in the world. Uh, but he plays in an environment where people simply do not recognize the value that he creates. So he can do two things. Uh, either he says, I need to become a better violin player, so next time I play that people really stop and, and listen to me. Or he can move to the space where people love his work. And in this case, it's Carnegie Hall, where people pay uh, price money to see him uh, play. And that's, in the end, his strategy. That makes sense. And that's also the message for us as engineers, as business owners. Always move to the place where you have people who love what you do, uh, who simply love what you do. And the third key is uh, look at three elements if you want to increase value. The first one is your product, but that's probably not the biggest opportunity. The biggest opportunity is the other two, which is improve your services, so the way you deliver your product, and especially improve your relationships, uh, because it's relationships which create preeminence. And I'll give you an example there as well. If you look at uh, Bain Company, management consultant, Bain Company has excellent relationships, and the reason is that they only do business with CEOs. And this is the reason why they can ask premium prices in the market and people come to them as a preeminent provider of services. So those are the three keys. First keys is make the distinction between needs versus wants. The second thing is move to a place where people love what you do. And the third one is especially focus on services and relationships, improving there. In my mind, Paul really aims us back again towards strategy because if you're putting your time and energy into into the three components you just mentioned, it really begins by spending some time on the front end, understanding what your strategy is, because that can help you to determine where the people are, where the organizations or the businesses are that enjoy what you bring to them. So I think that's a great example, again, that you just shared with us. We're getting towards the end of our session here today, but I wanted to ask you, we're going to share the links to these, but I know it was, it's got to be cool to be a TEDx speaker. <laughs> what was the preparation and experience like for that experience? It was uh, very interesting, and, and the reason is that uh, TEDx is a, uh, a very defined format. You have a certain amount of, uh, of time, and you need to talk within that time, because if you uh, run over, then you, you will be run out of the, um, the front. So they'll take you out of, uh, out of stage yeah, if you don't do it well. So the preparation, uh, and I think that there were a couple of challenges in the preparation. First of all, make sure you stay within time. That's one. Uh, the second thing is uh, make sure that the message you have resonates with people in the audience and that's that's i think a lesson learned for me is to to think about what is it that they 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 want to hear here but also what is it that i need to give them and the third thing is the trick of a, a good tedx speaker is that uh, you leave the stage but people want to have more so they're interested you want to have you want to read about it you want to understand more and once you do uh, you do that i think you are very successful as a uh, as a ted speaker so those are the three keys which have helped me at least. It helped you pretty well because it's actually one of the reasons why I initially reached out to you and, and made connection with you is that I saw your uh, TEDx presentation on why the majority is always wrong. That's what actually brought me to, uh, to reach out to you initially. So we'll link up uh, both of the TEDx talks that you've given in the show notes. I think people will enjoy both of those. In your book of The Power of Preeminence, you have a listing of 50 more books that person might want to read if they want to help make their shift in a mindset to preeminence. And so here's the tough question. If you could only pass three of those books to someone because it's all that were left on the planet, 
what three would they be? You're not the first one asking me that question. My editor was the first one asking me that question, but she didn't ask for a three. She did ask for 50, and that's the reason why I came up with 50, <laughs> because the list was much longer in the, in the first place. I guess he, he had uh, three books which probably will uh, help you most. At least they have helped me most. And the other ones are, are excellent as well, but, but here are three you can, you can use immediately. first one is a book, Brian Tracy, very famous, great coach, it's called Goals, and uh, this book is about clarity. And that's the, the first step of, of becoming preeminent, being very, very clear about what you want. And you can only be clear when you have goals. Everything is goals and the rest is just commentary. So Goals is a great book to start with. That's one. And the second book I would recommend is a book called by Peter Drucker, the famous management consultant. It's called The Effective Executive. The Effective Executive. Because that book talks about focus. Uh, you can be very clear about what you want, but focus is the best way of getting there. And that's a great book which will uh, give a lot of ideas on focus, where to focus on. And the third book I want to mention is, uh, is a book by David Allen, Getting Things Done. Uh, also a very famous book. But this talks about the third part of goal achieving, which is execution. The nitty-gritty details of how to get things done and getting the performance habits and the action habits, and it has been invaluable resource to move to performance. So those are the, are the three books, uh, Goals, The Effective Executive, and Getting Things Done, which I would recommend if you only have three books you can bring to read. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. And we've got the links to those books in the show notes. And if you happen to be an engineering career community member, then you have access to one-page reviews of most of the books that are on Paul's list of 50. There's a lot of them that are in there. And there are notes for two of the three that Paul just mentioned. I've added to my reading list, The Effective Executive. It's one that I've not had a chance to read yet. So it's now into my queue for reading. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to jumping into another of Drucker's works. Well, Paul, at this point, we're going to jump into the Take Action Today segment of our show. Are you willing to stick around with me? Absolutely, Chris. Great. So everyone, stand by. We'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. I've asked Paul to stick around to provide you with the action initiative you can employ immediately to hone your razor's edge, like right after you finish listening to this podcast. But first, I want to share a little more from our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. My listeners often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. And hands down, I recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, I have a special promo code for listeners of my podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order at ppitopass.com slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindenberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam, and for special offers and discounts exclusive to my podcast listeners, visit ppitopass.com slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. All right, Paul. What's one tip, 
tactic or mindset change our listeners can implement immediately to truly hone their razor's edge and gain preeminence? One thing I advise you to do, and that is uh, take a decision. Take a decision as of today to become preeminent in your field. Because once you take that decision, uh, uh, all of a sudden you become curious after the skills to get there, uh, the focus skills to get there. And by the way, Anthony and you, uh, Chris, have, have done a fantastic job in compiling and developing the tools for the engineers to get those skills. So become part of that community that you have created because success is never achieved in isolation. And then once you understand these are the skills, these are the tools to get there, then uh, get it done. Move, take action. I always say motion uh, beats meditation every time. So get moving. And if you improve by 1% every day, again, you will have doubled your results after 70 days. So that's my advice. Take a decision, then focus on the skills, use the resources that, uh, that you and Anthony provide, and then get moving, get it done, and move every day, small amount, and you will be amazed what you have achieved half a year from now. Paul, thank you very much for uh, mentioning Anthony in my work. Uh, for those who haven't been over or spent time on the Engineer Career Coach website, please go and take a look there. If you have limited time, just go to the Start Here tab on the webpage. That breaks down for you all the different material that we have there. And, and just like you mentioned, Paul, we've, we've got a lot of it that's there, and it's all geared towards helping you develop your razor's edge and to become preeminent. And with that, I just want to mention, and we'll have the link to this in the show notes, but uh, Paul's book, The Power of Preeminence, is out there on Amazon. You can reach out there and touch it. Fabulous, fabulous book, quick read. And more importantly, if you're looking to get more into the details that he presents in there, you can go to the, the back of that book, and there's 50 more of them there that you can dive into and begin your own education in developing your preeminence. So the show notes for today's show are going to be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash preeminence. And the show notes are going to contain a summary of the key points that Paul and I discussed in today's episode, as well as links to all of the books, the websites, the videos, a lot of material that we shared with you today. And we're going to have links to all of those for you to go out there and tap into that, that greatness. And again, the show notes are going to be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash preeminence. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. So please go over to engineeringcareercoach.com and look at episode preeminence and leave Anthony and I some feedback. We monitor all the comments and we're going to respond if you leave us one. We really enjoy that piece of the interaction with all of you. And until next time, continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.